Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. All right. Hey, guys. Really excited to, have, to be back. Thank you. Uh, again, Aaron and Candace. Wait. Oh, no. They don't have the video this week, I guess. Aaron and Candace, they are on their sabbatical, and so they have asked me to come and bring the word this morning, and I am excited. So when Candace told me to preach... Thank you, guys. So uh, I'm the youth pastor here at Freedom Valley, for those of you who don't know. And when Candace asked me to preach this week, um, I was like, okay, what's the sermon series? She gives it to me. Freedom isn't free. And she gave me this idea, like she gave me this uh, sermon series like right before I went to summer camp. And for those of you who don't know, being a youth pastor, summer camp is like the busiest time of my life, okay, as a youth pastor. And so I just throw it into the back of my mind. I'm like, all right. I'll have this back there. I'll get to it. All right, I got plenty of time, right? But, but it's there. I got it in the back of my mind. And so I'm sitting there at camp, and right before like one of the speakers comes up, or maybe it was, I don't quite remember what happened. I just remember John 8, 31 through 32, poof, went right into the back of my head back there with freedom isn't free. I'm like, duh, that's so obvious. Of course, that like seems so straightforward to me. And you'll see in a second, once I start reading it, it's just like a no duh. And so I started prepping it this past week, this sermon, and I'll tell you what, it wasn't as straightforward as I thought it would be, okay? God really sent me on a roller coaster through this sermon, okay? Through the prep, going through it. I thought it would be straightforward initially, but I'm excited to share it with you today. Are you guys ready? Because my mind is mine and just trying to like explain what was going on up here and put it into words. I'm, I'm excited to, <laughs> to go through this. So I'm a bit of a history nerd. I like, I like history. History is interesting to me. And whenever I speak on a, through a specific like Bible, Bible book, uh, I like to go through it and give a little bit of backstory. So as I said, John 8 is what I'm speaking, is speaking about today. So a little bit of background on the gospel of John. Who wrote the gospel of John? It's in the name John. Now, traditionally, it's attributed to the apostle John, the son of Zebedee, okay? One of the 12 disciples. That is, however, disputed a little bit, okay? The author of John 1, 2, and 3 is a John known as the elder. Is it John, the son of Zebedee? Are they the same person? Maybe, maybe not. So some, some people believe that John the elder and John the uh, disciple are two different people and that John the Elder actually wrote this book. But either way, we know a John wrote this book sometime between 90 and 100 AD. This would be 60 to 70 years after Jesus's death on the cross. And um, it, as, but as it goes with the gospel of John, okay, authorship's a little bit disputed. So is this date actually, with the earliest estimates being around the 60s AD, 30 years after Jesus's death on the cross. And it's a unique book, okay? It's one of the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but it stands on its own. Matthew, Mark, and Luke actually have their own name. They're called the synoptic gospels. Synoptic meaning forming a general summary or synopsis, synopsis, 
however you say that word. All right, they largely tell the same story. If you read through each and every one, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you'll see a lot of the same stories, some in different orders, some you know, from different perspectives, them being different writers. But around 90% of the material in the Gospel of John is unique to this book alone. Okay, and that actually makes sense when you know uh, a little bit of the history behind it because John was written after all the other Gospels were written. Okay, John most likely knowing that those other, knowing those other books and having probably read them and probably spoken about them, didn't feel the need to go through the exact same things that the past three went through. And so rather he discussed, um, uh, expanded upon um, what came before in the last uh, three books. Okay, the focus on John is also very different from the Synoptic Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are more narrative focused, telling the story and the different events that move the story of Jesus's ministry and life along and focused heavily on Jesus being the king of the Jews in his coming kingdom. While John is more dialogue focused, when you read John, it's more like the nitty gritty of Jesus's words and his teachings and the dialogue between him, people, him, and the disciples. And John, when he focuses on Jesus, he focuses specifically on Jesus's deity, Jesus being the son of God. So a little bit of background on John. When we pick up in John 8, John is preaching in the temple. If you're here for Bible trivia, you already know that. He was preaching in the temple during Sukkot. Probably not saying that right. That's Hebrew and I speak English. So, you know, maybe I butchered it. But what that means is the festival of Booths, the Feast of Booths that, comm- that commemorates when the Israelites were led out of Egypt, led out of slavery. And as they were wandering in the wilderness, they lived in booths or tents. That's why it's called the Festival of Booths. In this chapter, it's in the temple. Uh, common stories that we have heard, the woman caught in adultery, that's in this chapter. Um, she is brought before Jesus. The famous phrase, him without sin, cast the first stone. Um, I judge you not, go and sin no more. And then after this, Jesus continues preaching says the famous line that I'm sure we've all heard. Jesus declares, I am the light of the world. And through that teaching, many people come to believe, it says. And where we're picking up in verse 31 is directly after that. He's speaking to the believers, the new believers. In John 8, 31 through 36. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We've never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but, the son, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly Free. Now, I'm going to go into the rest of this later, but I'm going to stop right here, okay? Because when I was reading this, I stopped and I'm like, okay, let's get our definitions straight. I like to have definitions, it helps me understand words and precisely the meaning of them. What does freedom actually mean? That, that's what went into my head. Let's make sure we get this right. So it seems like a simple no-brainer, at least I'm sure it does to most of you in this world. Free, freedom, of course we know what freedom is. We're Americans, right? It runs through our brain, it runs through our veins and whatnot. We have days where we celebrate our freedom. I know what freedom is, of course, right? 
At least that's what I thought. And this is kind of, you know, that roller coaster I was talking about? This is kind of where it starts, you know? Me, I know what freedom is. I'm just going to get the definition just to make sure, okay? And if someone asked me what freedom was, probably say, you know, the ability to do what I want when I want. You know, is that, is that a bad definition? I'm sure that's when people would ask you. I'm sure that'd be a similar definition that you would give. Being able to do what I want when I want. And sure enough, freedom is defined as the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. All right, let's start this roller coaster. Because if you are a believer, that definition should make you pause. What? That can't be the freedom the Bible's talking about. When Jesus says, when, you're fr- when the Son sets you free, you are truly free, that can't be what he's talking about. That definition's off. Believers don't go around doing whatever they want when they want. Jesus, has com- Jesus commands us to do things and to not do things. So I asked another question then. What then is biblical freedom? Okay, it's clearly different from any preconceived notions I've had about freedom from, you know, our culture, for example, me growing up in school, it's, the, the biblical freedom isn't the same. And so I asked that question, I didn't have an answer, all right? And so, again, this sermon is me asking questions and like leading through and my thought processes and God helping me through my thought processes. And so I hope it makes sense, but this is my brain, so it might be a scary thing, all right? So I didn't have an answer to what biblical freedom was, so I'm like, okay, let's ask another question. Maybe if I can't figure out what freedom is through that definition, maybe knowing the opposite will help me understand what it's talking about. So naturally, next question, what's the opposite of freedom? Another seemingly easy question, right? Okay, at least in my head. All right, I'll ask you guys. What is the opposite of being free? Being a, being a slave, exactly. That was in my head. I'm like, be, the opposite of being free is being a slave. And as we read in this verse, okay, when, the, when Jesus was talking to the people in the temple, they came to the same conclusion as we just did. All right, starting in verse 32. It's up there on the screen. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What did they ask? What was their response? But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be free? When Jesus told them the truth will set you free, their minds were like, we aren't slaves. What do you mean? So yeah, that must be the opposite. That must be the opposite of freedom. They equated slavery as the opposite of freedom, just like us. Finally, I had an answer. I was getting somewhere, feeling good. Like, okay, going through. All right, I'm getting, getting somewhere. All right, I might not understand Bible defines freedom. I'm getting there, but at least I understand the opposite. All right, I have somewhere to start. And then the Holy Spirit came in and was like, no. Nope, the roller coaster ain't over yet. You don't understand nothing yet. I'm like, oh my gosh. And that conversation came in the form of Romans 6, 18. All right, I think I put it in the computer. I think it's up there. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. You have become slaves to righteous living. 
You are free from slavery to sin, but now you are slaves to righteous living. And not just that, okay? The confusion gets worse in my head, okay? Because Romans 1.1, I don't have these in here, but I'm gonna read them. This is a letter from Paul, a slave to Christ. James 1.1, this is a letter from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 1.1, this is a letter from Simon Peter, a slave, an apostle to Jesus Christ. Jude 1.1, this letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine my brain at this point? I am sitting in my room trying to prepare a sermon. I ask one simple question, what does freedom mean? That simple answer, and now nothing makes sense at all. And I'm just like, my brain is melting at this point. Literally, I'm just like, I don't just... This is supposed to be simple, all right? You gave me this verse, freedom, like the truth will set you free, writes itself, I guess. I'm just, I'm like, God, I might've bitten off more than I can chew with this one. Literally nothing is making sense. What the heck are you trying to say? I don't know anything. All I wanted to do was get the definition of freedom. But now I'm stuck with a terrible thing that I have to decide, okay? One, I have to decide, is Jesus lying when he says, if the Son sets you free, you are truly free? Of course not, all right? That doesn't make sense. Lying is a sin. Jesus tells us not to lie. The Bible consistently says, do not lie. I don't believe Jesus ever sinned, so that can't be it. So throw that one out the window. That one's not it. Do I believe that the writers of the New Testament, apostles, some of them, the very friends of Jesus himself, haven't received the freedom that Jesus is talking about? I don't believe that either. <laughs> no, of course, they're free. But, but it also says they're slaves. So I guess slavery isn't the opposite of freedom, God? What are you, what are you trying to say? Are, are Christians both slaves and free in some sort of weird paradox? <laughs> what? Okay. Fortunately, this, exactly, getting closer. Exactly. Fortunately, this led me to finally asking the right question to get me on track. I sat there on my laptop. I'm just like, God, are we slaves or are we free? Which one is it? All right. So I started researching this question, listening and like reading articles and, and of course the word and just trying to make sense of this weird question and this weird place that I found myself without answers, all right? And in this, I read this article and it just connected the dots for me. It had this wonderful allegory and it fit all the pieces together finally, and it finally helped me understand this story from John and what biblical freedom was, the freedom that Jesus was talking about. And it goes like this, okay? Say there are two children, okay, two children, and they both, have, they both have a piano. I, I don't think this is, is this, unmute it for a second, yeah. Yeah, they both have a piano, okay? So two kids sitting in a room, both with a piano, and one of the students sitting in there by himself, okay? One of the kids sitting in there by himself, just hitting the keys, 
hitting the keys, doing whatever he wants with it. He doesn't know how to play it. He's just going off on the keys. Isn't that wonderful? Pleasing and soothing to the ears. And then there's another kid. All right, and he's in another room. But this kid is sitting with an instructor. All right, let's say... Say Mark or Anna were up here with me, guiding me and showing me the discipline. I can't actually play keys. That ain't coming out of nowhere, okay? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, it's still gonna sound, still gonna sound bad. But you, you can mute it now. I'm just having fun. So, now this, this kid is sitting in there with an instructor, okay? As the example, I said Mark or Anna. Say they were up there and they were leading me through Okay, they were instructing me in the disciplines that guide me in the purpose of use of a piano. The question after reading that is, in this scenario, which of the two kids is more free? Cancer, the, the answer to me seemed pretty obvious. Well, obviously the one with the instructor the other child is getting nowhere. You saw me up there, okay? I ain't playing worship with that. I'm get, that kid's getting nowhere fast. He isn't creating music. It's just random sounds and notes that clash and don't even mix together, all right? Now, the one with the instructor, he's being taught the disciplines, the purpose of a piano. And it won't be long. It might take time. But it won't be long before that kid, that one, is creating music that is soothing to everyone who hears it. Much like Mark and Anna. Really good on the keys. Appreciate you guys. But yeah, soon they'll be making music soothing to everyone who hears it. As I said, it's an allegory. I'm sure most of you are starting to put the pieces together, okay? People without the instructor are just banging on the piano trying desperately to create order out of chaos. The piano's life, you see, and the kid in the room is just sitting there banging on it, trying to create something, trying to derive its own sense of purpose from its own discipline, its own preconceived notions of music, and he's trying to find his own morals. He's trying to find something in this seemingly fleeting, pointless, hopeless existence, and all he is getting it's just a bunch of clashing notes that hurt, that hurt the ears after a time. But there is an instructor. And when you ask him to come and be the instructor over your life, he will come and he will sit beside you. Jesus will come, he will sit with you and he will instruct you. He will say, no, no, you've been doing it all wrong. There's a purpose to this thing I've created. He will guide you. He will teach you the discipline and the restraint that is required to live the life the way he designed, to live your life the way he designed it to be lived. And then you'll be able to create beautiful music, beneficial to everyone who hears it, pleasing to the ears. But we need an instructor. The old definition doesn't fit. Yeah, the first kid, he can do whatever he wants whenever he wants it, but there's nothing. It doesn't produce anything. 
It's the illusion of freedom. This allegory helped me understand two things about biblical freedom. One, freedom is derived from understanding the truth of God's purpose for us. God created everything, and he didn't do it without a purpose. And unless we live according to the purposes for which we were created, we can't be free. It's the first thing. And two, the second thing, it's a little deeper in there. We are not our own. We don't belong to ourselves despite what we may think. You see, the irony of biblical freedom is that who we are a slave to determines whether or not we're free. It's not just the funniest thing. Who we're a slave to determines whether or not we're free. All right, Romans 6, 16 says this. Don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? Biblical freedom is a paradox, but it's true nonetheless. Paul, James, Peter, Jude, they were all free. Us in this room, those of us who are believers, we are free. But also, just like these men, we're also slaves to Christ. One of, the, one of the articles I read was called Free Slaves to Christ. It's the weirdest thing. Makes, seemingly makes no sense. But yet, now things are starting to come together and make sense. At least in my head. In the word. All right. All of us here who are believers are free. We are slaves to Christ because he is who we choose to obey. All right, now, now I, need to, I need you to hear me for a minute, okay? Because when I say that we're slaves to Christ, the most unhelpful thing that we can think of, listen, we're Americans. When I hear the word slave, my mind goes to the, probably the same place that your minds probably go to, the mid-Atlantic the mid slave trade. That is not a helpful way to help you understand this, com this concept. I know, as I said, we're Americans in here. When we hear the word slavery, that's what we jump to. That's not what I'm talking about. What happened here in America was evil, period. And the Bible actually condemns it. Let me read you a passage from Exodus 21.6. Exodus 21.6 says this. I don't have it on the screen, but I'll read it here. Whoever steals a man and sells him and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. This is Levitical law given, to, given by God to the Israelites. Okay, what happened here in this country, everyone who participated in it, if they were under God's law, they would have been put to death. That's not what I'm talking about here. Let me read Romans 6.16 6, again. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? Whatever we choose to obey. Think about it this way. We were born into slavery, every single one of us. As Jesus said, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. We were born into sin. We were born into slavery, owned by our own sinful desires, whatever our whims may be. But that does not free us. That keeps us in bondage. 
owned by our own sinful desires, a cruel master that leads you to a deep, dark pit of hopelessness, okay? And Jesus set us free from that. We now belong to him. We choose to obey him. And because we're a slave to whatever we choose to obey, we are now slaves to Christ. Going back to Levitical law, the thing that should come to mind, if you know it, in Exodus, it talks about if a slave, in this context, if you owed someone something, just say, for example, you owe a debt to someone. To pay it off, you can enter that person's service as their slave. And they now own you for a period but it was no longer than seven years. And after that period was done, you would be set free. But funny enough, the Bible has something in there. It's a little different. It's a little weird. It says, if the slave, once he's freed, says, stops and says to himself, I love my master. He's been good to my family. I don't, I don't want to leave. Then there was... There was a way to make that happen, all right? He would, he would go and he would put his ear up to a doorpost and they would like pierce his ear and now that person would forever be a slave and would, and would um, work for that person. That's what should come to mind, all right? We were slaves in our sin. Jesus came and he freed us and we said to ourselves, he is a good master. He is good to my family. He has set me on track. I want to follow him. I will choose to follow him. And now we are slaves because we are slaves to whatever we choose to obey. I choose to obey God. Now through this study, I think I've come up with a, de a decent definition of biblical freedom. All right, now let me preface this, okay? Let me preface this. The definition I came up with, not the infallible word of God, okay? I'm not pulling this straight out of some text in one of the books, okay? This is through my study. This is my words, not God's, not infallible. But I do think it's a decent place to start to understand, all right? It's, it's from my mouth. It's not from the mouth of God, but... Here's the definition, a rough definition I came up with. Biblical freedom, the state of not being subject to sin by entering into the family of God through the Son, subject, slave to the will of God. Now let's go back to John, verse 31. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, so first, you know, stop there, so first we believe in him. We're set free from the bondage of sin, from our own desires that keep us enslaved. And we're now his family. We're now his disciples. We know this in Galatians, okay? I, I, I had the verse. I don't have it in front. But it says, you are now in the family of God. So first we believe in him. We're set free from our sin. We are now in the family of God. We are now his disciples. And what does it say after that? And you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. We are slaves to what we choose to obey. If we remain faithful to his teachings, we are slaves to Jesus. What are his teachings? His, it's all in his word. Get in his word and know what it says. It says, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. If you don't read the word and you call yourself a disciple, what are you doing, man? Are you really a disciple? That's a good question to ask. I'm not gonna sit here and cast a judgment. I'm just saying there's something wrong there. You gotta know what his teachings are so that you can remain faithful to it. 
okay? And we are, and whatever we obey, we are slaves to, we are now slaves to Jesus. And through his teachings, what do we learn? The next verse, verse 32. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We will know truth because it is written in there. The truth is in there. When we are in there, when we're in reading the word, we will begin to know truth and we will be set free. That is biblical freedom. But as we know, as we know from the slides, freedom isn't free. Drink break, one sec. Freedom isn't free. So what does it cost us? What does it cost? Well, let's read. Let's read the rest of the story. Let's read the rest of the story and find out. It's in there. All right, starting in verse 33. This one's a little long one, but it's the word of God. It's good stuff. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Yes, I realize that you are descendants of Abraham, and yet some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in, in your hearts for my message. I'm telling you what I saw when I was with my father, but you are following the advice of your father. Our father is Abraham, they declared. No, Jesus replied. For if you were really the children of Abraham, you would follow his example. Instead, you were trying to kill me because I told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham never did such thing. No, you are ill, you are imitating your real father. They replied, we aren't illegitimate children. God himself is our true father. Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I am not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. For you are children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell you the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? And since I am telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone who belongs to God gladly listens gladly to the words of God. But if you don't, but you don't listen because you don't belong to God. So in this story, we see a repetition, okay? Jesus' dialogue between him and the people he was talking to. I'm sure some of them were Pharisees. So if I accidentally call them Pharisees, just know I'm talking about the people that Jesus is talking to in there, all right? In this story, we see a repetition of Jesus talking to the people, making claims, no, wait. No, that's not what that says. In the story, we see a repetition of the people, not Jesus, the people making claims of what they perceive to be true. And Jesus responding to them, correcting them while revealing truths about their spiritual state. 
All right. Here, let's, let's, read, let's read through them. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will, you will be set free? This is the people. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Next one. Our father is Abraham. Jesus replies, no. For if you were really the children of Abraham, you would follow his example. You are imitating your real father. Next one, we aren't illegitimate children. God himself is our true father, Jesus. If God were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. You are the children of your father, the devil. Biblical freedom will cost us what the Pharisees and and people in this story were unwilling to give up. Our own preconceived notions of what truth is. The, the people here in this story, they had the author of truth, God himself in human form, standing before them, teaching them, giving them insight into their own spiritual states. And they couldn't receive it because what was being told to them did not match up with what they perceived to be true. As Jesus said, you don't listen. Why? Because you don't belong to God. They belonged to their father, the devil, the author of lies. And they held on to these lies. They couldn't give up what they viewed as truth in light of the actual truth of what Jesus was telling them, that they were still slaves to sin. But no, they said, we aren't slaves, we aren't slaves to anyone. Let's just be honest. Our preconceived notions of truth oftentimes suck. Let me give you some context. These were Jewish people talking to Jesus. And what did they say? We've never been slaves to anyone. If you guys know anything about the Jewish history, that's, that's funny, man. We've never been slaves to anyone. The entire festival that we're celebrating is just celebrating how I led you out of Egypt, out of slavery. You've never been slaves to anyone. Right now, as I'm talking to you, you are subject under Rome. What are you even talking about? All right, we live in a post-truth culture, okay? You hear this, you hear this stupid line all the time, and I hate it. Oh, this is my truth, okay? You, you hear that all the time because our culture has adopted the belief that there's no such thing as objective truth. That truth is derived from my own experiences. What I say is true. It might not be what's true to you, but this is true because this is what I have experienced. This is what was going on even back in that day. This is what's still going on. Satan, there's nothing new under the sun. He really isn't that creative. He feeds you lies that you hold on to as truth and you can't give up that truth. You're still slaves to sin, Jesus said. We aren't slaves to no one. (laughs) We hear this, like, you need Jesus. No, I don't. I'm a good person. That might be what you believe to be true. But the truth says that there is no one that's good. When we come to God, when we search for God, 
We must come ready to lay down in humility anything that we view as truth that's contradictory to God's word. You can start the background music. I think I didn't say that exactly how I, how I, I put it in there. I was like, this is what I'll say. And I definitely didn't say that. I'm like, oh, it's, it's about that time. When we come to God, when we search for God, we must come ready to lay down in humility anything, any of our truths, anything that we view as truth that's contradictory to God's word. Because if it is contradictory to God's word, then it's a lie. That's, and if you're a believer, it's one of those things that's just left behind, that's still there. You're free, okay? You are a child of God if you are a believer. But there are still those parts of you that are still stuck from slavery. When the, when the Israelites were led out of freedom, they were free, but there were still those pieces in them that kept them in bondage. Then every now and then, oh, let's go back. Those pieces still holding on and they're still in all of us. When we do learn truth, what does truth do? This isn't rhetorical. What does truth do? It sets you free, exactly. The entire roller coaster that I went through, that I've dragged you guys along through and understanding what was going in my mind, what God was teaching me, this entire ride was just that. I had to unlearn my truth of what it means to be free. I had to learn, unlearn my truth, my preconceived notions of what it means to be a slave. I had to unlearn all that in light of the actual truth of what God was trying to show me, of what the Bible says real freedom is. And I've laid that down. I know now. I know the truth. I know the truth of freedom. And I am freer now because of it than I was last week. Listen, I've been a Christian as long as I can remember. I'm even a pastor now. I'm not saying this to put myself on a pedestal to raise me above you guys. Listen, I am saying this to help you understand there are things hidden in there from our past lives as slaves that are holding on. And they might be hidden. Uh, and some of them, there are some people in this room and you know what those preconceived notions of truth are and you're holding on to it just like the Pharisees, just like those people were. Like, no, this is the truth. And you know what the Bible says that contradicts it. And you have to let that go because there is a piece of you that is keeping you back from being free, freer than you were the day before, okay? There are things hidden in me that I believe that don't line up with the word of God. Obviously, that's what this entire sermon, that's what the, the God led me on this journey to learn, that there are still pieces of me from my past lives as a slave to myself that are holding on, that are false pretenses of what the Bible says. It contradicts it. It's not true. I don't know what they all are. Some of them in there are hidden from me, but I do know one thing for a fact. When I read God's word, when I open up the Bible and read it, God begins to point out those things. And when that happens, I have to give it up because God's truth, the truth is better. It's the objective truth that runs this entire place that he created. There is a purpose for your lives and it is in this truth 
of God's word. It's in there. When you read it, he will point it out. Whether you are seeking God now, maybe you are a baby Christian, maybe you've been a Christian your whole life, maybe you're leading a church. Those things are still in there and they keep you from being freer than you were yesterday. Get into his word, I beg you. I am a youth pastor. I have to beg this every single week. It's begging my head against the door. I love the kids. They need to get in their words. Sometimes they listen and it's awesome when they do. I'll tell you what. But there's so many people who are biblically illiterate who claim to be Christians. What does God say? If you are truly my disciples, you will follow my teachings. You don't know his teachings if you don't read the Bible. Get into his word. And don't be afraid because God will point those things out. Their false truths, your truths, the lies of Satan that are in there that you have held on to, God will point it out. And when you open up that book, you have to come to a place of humility. You have to leave all of your truths at the door and come and say, God, teach me because I don't know as much as you. I don't understand life. Without you, I would be sitting there banging the keys, making everyone's ears hurt, God, but you set me free from that. But I, I, can be, I can be more free. I can understand more. Teach me, God. And when that happens, you will receive truth. When, when you put those things down, you will learn real truth. And when you do that, you will be biblically free. You guys can bow your heads and close your eyes. God, I thank you for this ride that you've taken me on, melting my brain, piecing it back together. God, all to unlearn things that I thought I knew. Things that some people in this room might have thought that they've known. God, I pray in Jesus' name that they can receive this and that when they go to the word, they can receive it. Place their truths at the door and learn from you the truth and be set free, God. That there are people in here who know what those truths are who have held on to the lies from the devil, that have hold on to those truths from your past life as slaves to your own desire, slaves to sin. If there are people in here like that and they are struggling to let it go, I would like to pray for you this morning. All right. If you have, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hands here in a second. I just wanna make sure it's clear what I'm asking. If you are here in this place, if you know the truths that you have in your life that contradict the word and you wanna let it go this morning, would you raise your hands right now? God, send them on a journey like you did with me. God, teach them in your word. 
Let them open up the word, God, and learn the truths that will set them free. I speak into their lives, God. You are the ones who gives us the desires of your heart. You are the ones who, you are the one who gives us the desire to serve you, to open up your word and read it. Give them the desire to do it, Jesus, and give them the strength, the humility, and the wisdom, God, to lay down their truths at the door so that they can be free, more free than they were the day before, Jesus. Give them an understanding of the purpose of life, God. Break those things off of them in in Jesus' name, I pray. Work in their lives. Point it out like you did for me, God. And we thank you for your patience. You freed us and you know that those pieces are still there, God, and you are patient and good. There's grace there. Lead them through the journey that you've led me through today. In Jesus' name I pray. And a second group that I want to talk to, you can put your hands down. The second group is those who aren't free at all. Those of you in here who are still slaves to your own desires, that are still slaves to sin. Anyone who sins is a slave to sin. The Son can bring you into the family and set you free. That opportunity is before you today, but you might have to lay some stuff at the door. If there are those in this place that want to make God the leader of their life, who wants to choose to obey God, submitting to him. If you haven't done that before, maybe it's a rededication. If you would like God to come be the instructor of your life, I'm gonna give you a few seconds to think about that. And I'm gonna ask you to raise your hands. that's speaking to your heart and you would like God you'd like to ask God to be the instructor of your life please raise your hand there will be people coming around those with hands up with little cards okay telling you the first steps of what it means and what what it means to be a believer okay it'll help you get started I encourage you those of you with your hands up, begin reading, learning what God teaches, because that's what a disciple is. A disciple of God is someone who is faithful to his teachings. Read the word, the, the gospels I've been talking about, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, a great place to start. But I'm going to ask you to pray with me this morning for those of you who, that, who want to receive that today. God commands us to repent of our sins. I'm not gonna, this isn't a Catholic church. I'm not gonna come ask you to tell me everything you've ever done, but I encourage you to get alone with God and lay those things out after this. Sometime today, sometime tomorrow, go to God with your sins and ask him to forgive you. But for now, I'm gonna ask you to say this prayer. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I see now that I am a slave to my own desires. God, I ask you to free me from that today. Come be my instructor. Teach me the disciplines and purpose of life, God. I surrender myself to you. Thank you. I believe that your son Jesus died on the cross for my sins and that through faith in him, I am set free. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Can we give a hand for those in this room who have now entered the kingdom of God, who have now entered the family? You are free now. 
It may not feel like it. You may not feel any different. Maybe in a few days you will feel different. Maybe in a few years you will begin to see what God's doing in your life, but he will do things in your life. Be in the word and he will make you freer than you were the day before. That's all I have for you guys. Thank you guys for having me. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Isaiah. Awesome job. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.